Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 222. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much. Had a good conversation this afternoon for the podcast. I'm going to be happy it's Friday. It's coming tomorrow's Friday, and I'm going to be done with my juice cleanse because I'm ready to eat like a burger or something, something big. Look at you. How long see so you how long has this juice cleanse been? Three days, but you'd fit you'd think it's like thirty days of not eating. Three goddamn days. I'm like going out of my freaking mind. Painful. <laughs> now, my wife did want to do it, and I was like, Yeah, I'll do it with you. And uh it was fine. It's better for me. It's good to not eat as much yeah. for a few days. Yeah, it's you know, it's gonna take a little break. You know, you realize just how little food you need. It's really all about water. That's the most important thing. Oh, yeah. These were, I was telling you before, like seven packets of of juice. And this is like the to-go version. So in case you're traveling, which my wife is all on the road all day, yeah. um, they're easy to mix up. You just need 16 ounces of water for each packet, but that's 16 ounces times seven you're drinking. So it's every two hours. So it's actually not that bad. The water fills you up a lot. But uh, you just have to go to the bathroom a lot. You got to pee. Yeah. Just flushes you out. Wasn't as brutal as some of the other. I've done cleanses before that are just turbo lax infused. And it's just horrible. It's not it's good. So much diarrhea. It's horrible. Can't be doing that. Not good. Well, everyone for checking out the podcast. We do appreciate it. Check us out at skibonepodcast.com. We are on all the socials. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Ski Bum Podcast. Send us an email, Ski Bum Podcast at gmail.com. We're also on YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify. What's the other one? We're on iTunes. Amazon Music now. Amazon Music. Really, everywhere your fine podcasts are, we are there. If you need stickers, the ski season is coming up. DM us on Instagram or send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Once things start returning to normal or closer to normal and we're getting closer to ski season, hopefully we'll be posting a bit more. It's been a little chaotic last week. My my wife gave birth to a beautiful baby girl. Yeah. So it's been a thank you, thank you. That's awesome. Absolutely crazy last week. Congratulations, man. I'm barely alive right now, but we are we are plowing through. We are forging on. Forging ahead. Yes. And as Mario kind of alluded to, we have a bit of a oh, another great guest for our main topic. So we'll get into that as we get closer. But we want to thank everyone for listening. And let's kick it off the way we always do. It's time for our pray today. Mario. You already talked about how you are cleansing away here. So and that was my opry. So this won't uh, be very exciting. Yeah, it's not very exciting. They're they're good juices though. There's like uh pineapple and mango and so there's a little flavor, but it's all just dehydrated juice flavor. Let's put it that way. So it all tastes similar, but hey, that's what I'm drinking and a ton of water. So how many of those do you have a day? Seven packets with 16 ounces of water seven so, packets with 16 ounces of water yeah it's a lot of water that's, that's like over 100 ounces of water a day uh that is 112 112 there you go now if you divide that by what a glass is eight ounces mm-hmm. 
So that's 14 glasses of water. 14 glasses of water. At least. And then on the dummy, that's like having tea afterwards and like, let me have my coffee, black coffee. You're allowed to have um, two of those, some extra water here and there, maybe a seltzer, you know, like it's just, I'm drinking water. I'm like, I got to stop drinking water. It's going to make me have to go to the bathroom. Do you feel any better? Uh, You know what? Today I'm tired. Yesterday I felt more energy. So I, I got over the the first day and I think it felt better. Um, today was, I did have a lot of energy. I did a lot today though, but, uh, I got pooped by the end of the day, Mm. which is fine. I didn't sleep well last night because I was getting up to pee. Mm. (laughs) That's part of the problem. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I imagine tonight's going to be more of the same and then, and then it's night, night tomorrow night. So we'll see. Good. You're almost done. Almost done. All right. So what's your, Oh, and if, if I did, I actually look to see if I, Oh, I'll, I'll save it. Cause I want to try to get the beer. I'll talk there you go. the Yinling, uh, Hershey Porter. You see that? No, I have not. Yeah. They've been running ads for it. So I'm like, I gotta find out how to get some. Oh, that sounds pretty yummy. Cause I gotta tell you that. Yeah. They brew a lot down here. So over the Budweiser brewery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. So it's Yingling Gardens now. <laughs> Yingling Gardens, really? No. Oh, That'd be it's funny. Bush Gardens, right? It's still Bush Gardens, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would have uh, been pretty funny. But it's funny how it's it's no longer the the so it's a big brewery that they they took over. So. Well, it's nice that they're collaborating with Hershey now. Yeah, they're both uh, originally from PA, right? So. Oh yeah. Uh, how about yourself, Brian? What are you uh, sampling this evening? So I'm still in my treehouse collection. Treehouse wheelhouse? Yeah, treehouse wheelhouse. I still have so many beers from them. So I am rocking the Super Radiant right now. Ooh, Super Radiant. Super Radiant, which is a beer brewed with an amplified dose of peaches and an amplified blend of our favorite American hops. Super Radiant pours a glowing orange color in the glass and emits super potent flavors of ripe juicy peach, mango, orange juice, and tropical fruit. Wow. Sounds yummy. Yeah, it's very good. I'm a big fan. It's a double IPA. It's a bit heavy duty, 8.2, but it's quite tasty. I, I got to tell you, and again, a lot of, a lot of fruit in here, a bit hazy. Mm. I'm enjoying it. Very trippy can. Like can. It's like a tie dye can, right? Tie dye can. Yeah, it's super trippy. So nice. I am enjoying it. Very cool. Loving all my beers from Treehouse so far. So there you go. It's good. I pray. Right? I think so. I can cover, I could talk a little bit about the chocolate porter. So Yingling Hershey's chocolate porter just came out uh, the last day or two that they announced it. Uh, first time in their history, they're collaborating together to make a a dark brewed porter. And they're only going to brew it from, they say February, uh, from October to February. So I'm excited to try it, but I don't want to get my hopes up because it d- disappoints me a lot. So <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. 
Yeah, sometimes you read those beer descriptions, they sound too good to be true, especially coming from someone like Yingling. Exactly. Yeah. They are trying to sell as much of this as, as they can. <laughs> but I want to know where they're selling it, and their little beer finder doesn't have it anywhere. So I'm a little, I'm a little annoyed right now because I think it should be – if I saw something on it, it should be out. <laughs> yeah, right. So we have one story this week in the good old Apre today. And it's from the Boston Globe. And they're talking about how hard-hit breweries shiver at the thought of winter. Now, this is something we've brought up before. And you know, I know ski resorts being winter activities, they, they're planning for the winter and what they can do to minimize folks in the lodges, take their food service, and have it more outdoors. A lot of these restaurants and, and breweries, though, they're they're a little more strapped because people are used to coming inside, wearing cute outfits, yeah. taking their coat off, hanging out, no big deal. And this article just goes, it talks to a couple different owners of breweries in the Massachusetts area. And they're just saying, you know, the summer has been good because they're able to do more stuff outside. But I think all of them as of right now have a November 1st cutoff for their outdoor dining and, and their outdoor facilities they can have i'm sure the government's going to put in some mandate and extend that but permits versus actual people showing up are very different yeah they're they're predicting in this article that at least 25 percent of these small breweries could shut down which is probably conservative because you know some places obviously have home delivery like Trillium. They're big enough where they can do that. Treehouse, they got lines at the door to pick up their beers. But other smaller places who don't have the name recognition, who you know probably don't have the capacity to make a lot more cans or, or growler fills, yeah. they might be out of luck. So, Well, I've heard even down here, there's a, like Big Storm is opening back up, but they said that they actually have to go out and collect their bad beer from whoever they've distributed to because it's been sitting there and pro you don't even know if it's been chilled. So they're going out and replacing the beer that they sold as a, as a nice uh, gesture to get their beer back out there. But they said most of their uh, profit comes from selling tap beer to, um, to local uh, restaurants and, and bars. So the bars were closed. So they're not, you know, selling any more of their tap beer right now. It's tough on everybody. So the small guys, that's what they do if they can't can, you know? That's what they're talking about in this article too. They're, they mentioned Jack's Abbey, which they shut down one of their production lines, the one used solely for draft beer. Mm. And they said the other line runs 80 hours a week. And that wow. more than three quarters of that line is now devoted to canned beer as opposed to 50% before the virus. Wow. And another brewery they talked about, Idle Hands, canned beer accounts for 99% of production, up from 40%. Wow. So they're doing what they can. They're, you know, they're pivoting as much as possible. But I mean, one thing too is like how much beer can people drink? Yeah. <laughs> in 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 quarantine, apparently a lot, right? Can't go out uh, to, to the bar. So you gotta drink it at home. Problem so is you gotta get it in the stores, though. You know, a lot of the stores. They have a distributor. That's one of the big four or three names, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, but those places that have, you know, the little outdoor areas, you know, great again in spring and, and fall. But once winter hits, you know, it's going to be. That's going to be tough. It's going to be again, really tough. So you, you, you have your clothes on or you went to gear and you go, it'll be like real après ski, you know, where you went to jacket. I'm telling you, bike sales were big. I think big, you know, big jackets are going to be. Big jackets? Out of really selling out big this the winter George. because. George could stand the Gore-Tex. Yeah, the Gore-Tex. People, you know, it's maybe just be like a new norm. People are used to sitting outside. And like I said last week, I think heat lamp sales, I'm bullish on heat lamp sales. I think people are going to be buying them all over the place, trying to get some sort of outdoor, you know, heat lamp situation going on so they can give people that can't go inside but want to hang out at their establishment. They're going to find a way to make it happen. Yeah, wear your ski base layer and, you know, go out. You got to do something, right? Depressing to think about what could happen, but it's also exciting to think about the ways people are going to find a way to make this work. Oh, cause you know, because, they will. Hey man, if this is your, your livelihood, this is your company, your baby, you started it. You're going to fight tooth and nail to keep that thing alive. Hey man, just sell crawlers. Why don't they do that? Just pour it right into the crawler. You don't have to do a whole canning thing, but when people come up, how about a crawler? That's good. You just got to have that you know, the machine, which yeah. again, shouldn't be a big deal, but they're going to need but to it's an investment. Yeah. It's an investment. investment. And again, if you're had a rough, you know, last six months, how much money do you really want to roll the dice on and have those yeah. things set up? But then at that point too, like, why don't you just fill growlers at that point? You know? Yeah, exactly. If people like your brewery and like you enough, they may just want to spend a few extra bucks and get the growler. Hey, sit, sit around in front and drink the growler, drink right out of the bottle. Everybody has their own personal growler. Right? That'd That's be not nice. a terrible idea. You just cap it up and you're on your way. All right. See you guys later. We're going to have to find some ways to keep these people up and running. But yeah. we will. I'm sure we will. Because that's what we do. Oh, yeah. Let's get into the Genjula. Here's a fun, happy story. So Colorado governor pardons more than 2,700 people with marijuana convictions. So Governor Jared Polis signed an executive order granting unconditional pardons to those convicted of possession of one ounce or less of marijuana. Earlier, there was a bipartisan passing of a of a law or motion, whatever they did, to pardon people that had convictions for having up to two ounces. So he went ahead and he pardoned those had one ounce or less. So it makes sense though, right? They, they made it legal. So why should. Yeah. The pardon uh, convictions go back as far as 50 years <coughs> and the recent as late as 2012. Could you imagine being the last asshole getting busted for, for weed right before it becomes legal? Dude, can you imagine being in prison for 50 years for one ounce of marijuana? Holy crap. It's insane. Pretty gross. No, it's, it's just gross. Yeah. I mean, your entire life. And they talk about, you know, <clears throat> too many Coloradans have been followed their entire lives by conviction for something that's no longer a crime. And these convictions have impacted their job status, housing, and countless other areas of their life. Um, yeah, I agree 100% with that. I mean, if it's legal, why would you, I mean, you almost have to expunge, I would say, go through the length of letting people expunge their records so they don't have a record anymore. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, 
Yeah, it's not right. And it's sad because, you know, people lose lost all that time chucked in jail. So what what to follow this will be the class action lawsuit, of course. Well, that's that's when things start. That's when the slippery slope starts, you know, and that's obviously right. I 100% support those people because they've been completely screwed over for having a plant. It's it's nuts. It is nuts. But, you know, it's just I don't even know. My brain's not working anymore right now. I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. We'll see. But now it's it's great to see some politician having some guts and standing up and trying to do what's right. So, yeah, bravo. Hopefully, it carries on through every other state and uh, nationwide. Starts- we'll look hey. back at this area and look, think of how idiotic the war on drugs really was. So, I know both candidates listen to our show that are up for for the presidency this year. So, <clears throat> while they're eating their cream of wheat, they listen to us. I yes. <laughs> And their porridge. <laughs> well, uh, this porridge not huge enough. Is it pudding time? Um, pudding. I get an extra of ice cream. Something <laughs> totally amazing. So uh, I know that they listen to our show. So one of the things is if they really want to win the election at the last minute, they could say, I'm legalizing weed. Full in. Yeah, right. Full in. If somebody wants to stay in office, they could just make an executive order and make weed legal. <laughs> Our first train is a Kushner Kush. My son-in-law Jared, give up with this. The, Kush, the stickiest Kush. is really icky. He gives it in Duvanka in suppository form. Terrific. Ah, uh, Maui Wowie. Maui Wowie. There it is. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> See, and I think because of the the cleanse, you've got a little less in your system, and the Maui is a little extra wowy. Extra wowy, that's the way I like it. Extra wowy. Let's go to ski news. Yeah. We're just ripping through here today. We're not, we're not dawdling. We're not wasting yep. a lot of time. Things have to get done. We got to get to our interview. Things have to get done. Yes, we had a wonderful interview, which will take up most of the podcast. How about we had the American North American forecasts? This is a strictly Canadian fall oh, yeah. forecast and exclusive winter preview from Canada's number one meteorologist, perhaps Dr. Doug Gillum. Yes, he'll be your Doug. The Autumnal weather has burst onto the scene long before most of us were ready to say goodbye to summer, says you, Canada. While it's true that fall weather has arrived ahead of schedule, with the exception of BC and parts of Atlantic Canada, we are not in a free fall into winter. Blah, blah, blah. Fall, fall, fall. Oh, you go to the bottom, it's all. I'm going to the bottom. Yeah. Quebec, Atlanta. Do you know there's like, you know, the US, we have states. Canada has provinces and territories. Yep. So it's not just one thing. Yep. It's this province and this territory. Yeah. And there's a lot of territories, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's just wide open spaces up there. Oh, yeah. So I think we talked about it back a few months ago when the first predictions came out. And I think originally La Nina was supposed to be not happening or very low probability. Yeah. Now there is a developing La Nina. 
like it might actually be happening. Yeah. And see, that's one of the key drivers of the winter pattern. However, while La Nina winters tend to have some common characteristics, there is a lot of variability in exactly what this could mean for each part of Canada. And there are other variables that contribute to a winter pattern. La Nina winters tend to be colder and snowier across Western Canada. And at this point, we expect that we will see that typical pattern again this winter. For BC and a large part of the prairies, we expect colder than normal temperatures with an abundance of snow across the region. Abundance. Including the ski areas. I like how they include that, see? See? Don't do that here. From the Great Lakes to the Atlantic Canada, we expect the temperatures for the winter as a whole will be warmer than normal. That should mean fewer and shorter outbreaks of severe cold and below normal ice coverage on the Great Lakes. And this could be the powder dash for BC. Eh? Yeah. So this actually looks pretty unfortunate if you look at... If you look at... So below normal yes. temperature, and then a, it looks like a good chunk from California going across the top of Utah. That's probably right around Seattle. It's just below Seattle. Nah, that's all of Oregon too. Is out of that. Oregon's out, yeah. It looks, but it looks like most of the U.S., you know, Michigan and everything east is all above normal temperature. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Yeah. So it looks a little bit unfortunate if you're an East Coast skier, and California, Utah, Colorado, all in there too. But again, this is Canada. They probably just didn't. There's some conversion they messed up on. Exactly. They do it all metric. This is all. We will wait and see what happens. But it looks like La Nina may be the weather pattern of choice, which is happening this winter, but we will see. Yeah. And they actually had a little diagram. It's a video actually of uh, the solar minimum and solar maximum. And I guess that what that, what that means when La Nina develops. I don't know. Goddamn Lenin, you came out of nowhere. They were saying it was not going to happen. Now it's happening. Now it's happening. Boom. There you go. Said, ah, surprise, suckers. Yeah. Well, the concerning thing about this is, even if, as an American, you wanted to go to Canada, you couldn't. Yeah. Um, Can't go. It's like like Game of Thrones. The wall was a big wall, big ice wall. And Canada's like, you can't come up here, you hoser. (laughs) Sorry, eh? Sorry. I'm not Sorry. Our prime minister is busy in blackface right now. We can't change any laws, so uh, so sorry. I'm drinking my coconut, and I'm uh, having some Timmy Hortons. All this poutine is all for us up here, eh? <laughs> you can keep your poutine. <laughs> I'm not poutining that in my mouth. <laughs> uh, Out of the mouth, off the toilet. That's the poutine way. All right, we just got one quick story in uh, from the Wall Street Journal, and they're talking about home sales surge in resort towns, even as COVID looms large over the ski season. So, um, you know, the whole article, they do a good job of, you know, describing how people are just leaving the big cities right now. And they made it, uh, the one person they interviewed was in Park City, and they were just saying, like, Park City is, you know... They're going through the stats and they're like, uh, homes over $2 million 
are up 50% between March and August compared to previous year. Um, and they're saying one house sold for cash. Um, and it was, it was $15 million, but it went $350,000 over its asking. Damn. Only a few days after it went on the market. So it seems like, you know, all this is, there's a few examples of just, People that have money from the city just moving out. So, and the best part of this article is just below that. So, if you look at the end of the article, uh, Brian, I love this. They have stuff your broker didn't tell you about mountain life because you're using um, this this one person that's a uh, you know a, a successful broker, and they're like, oh, I just want to leave the city and I want to move to the mountains now. Um, but uh, you, talk, you know, they talk about welcome to your near uh, your new year round mountain home, Flanders. You're excited to leave the city behind and embark on your new permanent mountain vacation. Here's what to expect when living full time among the peaks. So it's a great list because uh, it points out surviving winter. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> you probably didn't know this, but. Winter starts on like Halloween and ends on Memorial Day. It's fun at first, <laughs> and then it's not. Chances are high that your Escalade's windshield will get cracked. Don't touch <laughs> it. Uh, snow plow, you know, gives advice about snow plow drivers and snow drifts. All stuff you forgot, you know, or you forget if, if you've only gone there for vacation. Uh, living a full year is just... A little bit different. Uh, avoiding nature. There's a lot of stuff that can kill you. Um, you know, the breathing, uh, what it's like on the day-to-day running errands. You know, there's no, you know, 10-minute run out for, uh, you know, for some tomatoes for the salad. It's, uh, you know, that that's an hour, hour one way, you know. <laughs> I, I like the uh, keep tire chains in the car, even in summer. Pack <laughs> your trunk like you might you might spend the night or possibly two in your vehicle. You eventually will. That's, you know, you start thinking about that and it's like, Whoa. Uh, yeah. That, as someone who does not have a, a, a home in a mountain town right now, I'm a little, I'm upset, but I also feel like if you can wait another year or two, I think a lot of the stuff is going to just plummet again. And everyone again has like a winter like that. And it's like, this isn't what I expected. Yeah. I just, um, it's funny. I, I've lived in, I was in Carolina. I was up in the mountains and, um, you saw, I kind of, kind of how a little mountain, mountain life goes, but, uh, and then even when I was in Jersey, I was up, up there, but yeah, like when I was up in Jersey and well, what I was in Carolina, I don't think I was that, I wasn't going shopping like I did, but like just going out to like do, do like a grocery shopping was like a half hour one way. So that's, you're talking about, you know, an hour drive, drive time, then go to the supermarket for an hour and, you know, you're talking two hours, just do your grocery shopping. So I would learn how to stop everywhere I needed and pick stuff up on the way home. I don't know. Part of me was like happy that I didn't have anything in a, in a ski town this year with the whole COVID thing. And yeah. now looking at all this, these restrictions and what this real estate is going for, it's, it's a little disconcerting. So it's, I still think you can, if you can wait a year or so, 
It might be all right. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's crazy time right now. It's it's you know, it was always stupid expensive to live in a ski town, and this is not helping at the moment. I don't all know. Right. Maybe right. we have to go off the beaten path a bit. Go to a smaller little ski town, find something yeah. a little bit independent, not get away from the big epic and icon resort towns, which is a perfect little interlude transition to our main topic. We had a wonderful conversation and interview with our new friend, Doug Fish, who is the founder of the Indie Pass. Indie Pass has been getting a lot of buzz recently with all the, you know, again, the, the epic and an icon talk. This little pass has been around for 13 months now. It's their second year and they have 56 resorts offering two days each at each resort. So if you wanted to do that math, it's at 112 days. You can ski on this pass for $199. That's a great deal. If now it would be tricky to do, but it is doable. People have done way trickier, more complicated things. So it is possible. We had a great conversation with Doug, had some really good information about IndyPass, why it exists. They actually had a great press release today. They are up, their sales are up 630% from last year, wow. which is gigantic. So we talked about that. And again, I had a great conversation with Doug. So we hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. Doug Fish, Indie Pass. We have another very special guest this week. We have Doug Fish, who is the founder of the Indie Pass. So, Doug, welcome and thank you so much for joining us this week on the podcast. It's great to be here, Brian. Thanks for having me, Mario. Thanks. Thanks for, get, for coming on. It's our pleasure to have you on. So, the Indie Pass, this has gotten a lot of traction uh, over the summer and now with things starting to cool down. I know you guys are putting out press releases every few weeks. You're getting more resorts that are being added to this. How did this all start, this whole Indie Pass project? Yeah. Well, why does anyone get into the ski business, Brian? It's so you can ski for free, right? Amen. <laughs> That's the key. You know, free lift tickets are like gold. Uh, no, um, you know, I've, I've been in the marketing, uh, business for a long, long time and, and, uh, I've had a passion for skiing for all my life. And, uh, uh, as part of my, you know, uh, marketing business, we represent a lot of ski resorts and we do a lot in, in the ski industry. And we have for many, many years, about 20, 25 years. And so, you know, we we keep a real close eye on what's going on with the industry. And, um, there, uh, there, a, a couple of years ago, there was a pass called the max pass that you're probably familiar with. And, yeah, um, when, uh, Altera was formed and rolled up, you know, their initial group of resorts into uh, the Altera group, the max pass kind of went away. And um, that was a you know a seismic shift in the ski business that uh, created a lot of change and a lot of opportunity. And my partner and I, you know, having watched all this happen and knowing the business, we sat down and you know started thinking about the opportunity for another a new pass. And initially, it was going to be kind of a you know uh, max 
pass, you know, without all the Altera resorts. But the more we uh, dug into it, the more research and the more people we talked to, um, we realized there was a huge gap in the market that was not being served by the industry and has really never been served by the industry. And um, it, it's really a, a two-pronged uh, market. Uh, one, there are uh, hundreds, literally, about 500 independent, small to mid-size ski resorts in North America that are not uh, a part of one of the major four corporate conglomerates. And when I refer to those, I mean uh, Vale, Altera, Boyne, and, and, and Powder Corp. Um, those, um, um, those hundreds of resorts are generally independent. You know, a lot of them are family-owned, single operations, and they pretty much serve their local or, or perhaps their regional markets. Those resorts have uh, very few marketing resources. Um, you know, they can send an email out to their pass holders and they can market in their, their local markets, but they don't have the reach that a, that a, 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 a national, you know, a big, a big resort has. You don't see uh, Red Lodge, Montana uh, featured on Warren Miller, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and they don't have that um, marketing budget either, right? The, yeah. Uh... Yeah, no, they don't. And, 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 you know, that's, that's fine. They shouldn't. Uh, but consequently, um, the other under underserved market that we identified is uh, the non-core skiers in, in the United States and, and Canada, I suppose, of which um, uh, make up about 75% of the total skier volume. There are give or take 10 million skiers in the U S and 75% of them do not buy a season pass. And um, those people, you know, are just as passionate about skiing as as anyone. Uh, they ski, you know, one, two, three days a year. And if you ask them if they're a skier, you know, they're, they'll go on for five minutes about how great it is. <laughs> but because of their lifestyle or whatever their personal situation is, they can't get 20 days in. So... Um, but the industry has never really catered to those people. Uh, they're going after the, the core skiers, people that ski 10, 20, 30 days a year. That's who the manufacturers want to reach. Uh, that's who the resorts want to reach. And um, they also have focused on never evers, building the sport. And uh, so these these you know uh one one great writer uh, ski writer named andy bigford um who's been around for a long long time uh calls them the forgotten fringe they're uh -huh. these you know or this i guess you know you could call them the silent majority um right. to coin an old political phrase but um these folks they don't have a pass you know they walk up to the ticket window and they hold their breath and you know they dig deep and they buy tickets and the price of lift tickets has been going through the roof for years it's far outpaced uh season pass prices and it's far outpaced inflation mm -hmm. so you know if you're a, you got a you know a couple of kids or your family of four and you go up to your local hill i don't care you know how how big it is you know for you know rental equipment and lessons and tickets and lunch and gas and all that you're, you're out 500 bucks for the day easily yeah mm -hmm. right well 
you know, that's that's fine for some people, you know, the one percenters or the 10 percenters. But it's, you know, um, it's created more and more of an elitist attitude towards skiing. And if you if you want to do that same trip at a major mega resort, you're you know looking at a thousand bucks for the day. Right. And the problem is you can't go for the day. You got to go for a long weekend. And now you're talking about five thousand bucks. So, you know, that's not that's not uh, doable for most people. So it almost almost seems like the the big ones, you know, they they came out with their passes and they drove the market that way. Right. They they almost mm -hmm. like obliterated the, you know, the benefit of, of, you know, a single day pass or something. It's, it yeah. doesn't make financial sense to, to not do a pass of some sort. Right. right? And, and of course, and that's why they've been so successful with it. You know, anyone who's going to go to um, a, a mega resort for the day and pay 200 bucks is crazy not to drop, you know, 600 bucks on a, on an Epic or an Icon pass, you know, right. you got to be able to convince yourself, Oh, I, I know I can ski at least two more days. And, yeah. and so they, you know, they sell a million Epic passes um, and that's great, but you know, it's hard to get that guy that skied two days last year uh, to cough up 600 bucks for each of his family members to right. do that. He can't do it. So he's forced to buy a day ticket. Mm-hmm. So, we look even that. like a lot of people taking trips or planning trips and ski clubs that I've seen over the last year or two really focus their trips based on a particular pass, you know, like, so if the club yeah, is really, you know, if they're selling that pass, so now it's driving even like where, where people are going, which is yeah. a little bit disturbing, you know, it's fine. You know, you got Ford and Chevy and they're duking it out yeah. and, and um, you know, and and I think that the the the, uh, the epic and the icon pass have have positively impacted skiing. There, you know, there's no question it's brought the price down for most core skiers. But for that casual guy, you know, that's never skied more than five days a year, and, and you know, gets up two days a year, it it does not apply, and yeah. it's not gonna. You know, he you know you can't convince him to go eight days. He's just, it's just not going to work for him. So Cost prohibitive, right? The indie pass is for that customer. It is for that, that skier. And if you think about it, it's a, it's a lot easier to get that guy to go three days instead of two than it is to get someone who's never been on snow to take up a sport that, you know, they've, they've never tried. Mm-hmm. And if, if you got, you know, seven and a half million people who've never, uh, who don't own a season pass, if you get them to just go one more day, that's 7 million skier visits. That's, you know, an increase to 7 million skier visits is a huge needle move in the ski business. And so, um, and and I think that the the industry is starting to come around to that, that market. And um, anyway, so that's how the Indy Pass came about. We I, we saw that market and we said, no, we don't need another Max Pass. We don't need another, you know, Icon Light. We need something for the masses. This these are passes for the masses, okay? <laughs> and um, you know, for one ninety nine, you go two days. It it doesn't kill you. 
you know, yeah. ideally you want to go four days and then you, you make money in most cases, right? but you know, it's not going to break the bank. A family of four with two kids under 13, they can get the, all their skiing paid for, for 596 bucks. It's a, the price of a pass is one day at Vail. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, <laughs> right? and it gives you, yeah. you know, virtually unlimited skiing if you want to, you know, put the miles on your car. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a market for, um, for this we're seeing, you know, we announced today that our, our, our past sales are up year over year, uh, over 600%. That is and, amazing. Yeah. Congratulations and, on that. Thank you. Yeah. It, you know, we're, we're thrilled. Um, we're exceeding our expectations and, and, uh, but you know, we're, and the, the word's getting out. I mean, we launched 13 months ago and nobody would ever heard of it. And like you said, there's been momentum building over the summer and, you know, more and more people are hearing about it. And I, I'm convinced if, if um, you know, all, all 10 million skiers in the United States knew all about the Indy Pass, we'd sell a million passes. Just yeah. like Epic. Yeah. You know, uh, we won't gross as much, but, you know, uh, because it's, it's, it's a great deal. Yeah. And, and it um, seems focused towards like, you know, if I'm a day tripper, like you said, it's easy to say, Hey, you know, I could go to two or three local areas around me rather than have to fly, you know, uh, to two different places and do hotels and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's a little yeah. bit different, different person that's using that, you know? Yeah. The, the biggest thing that we've had to overcome and that we will continue to overcome is the perception that small to mid-sized resorts are not as good as big resorts. Okay. And now I've skied all my life. I've skied, you know, everything from, you know, little bunny hills to, you know, whatever, Whistler, Vale, you name it in the West. And I'm starting to get more familiar with things out, out East. And, um, you know, there's no question those big mountains are, are impressive and they're fun. And, you know, there's nothing like getting to the top of Jackson Hole and, you know, looking down and realizing you got a 4,000 <laughs> vertical foot run if you if you can handle it. Yeah. But you know what? Um, I'm a pretty good skier and I can't handle a 4,000 vertical run right. on a good day. And if it's a powder day, forget it. <laughs> so yeah. why do I need all that vertical? I don't. And, you know, I don't need 4,000 acres to get my, get my runs in. Um, you know, the, it, most skiers, you know, can get most of their runs in, in about 500 acres. And that, you know, that, that seems expansive by Eastern standards. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. but, but the thing is most people it, believe the marketing and the industry dominated by the big resorts has been telling people how great these big resorts are. And, you know, I like to tell people, Hey, your brother-in-law has only heard of 25 resorts. He doesn't know that there's 700 in North America. Right. Cause yeah. he only, you know, maybe he goes to Warren Miller every three years and he sees, you know, the big three or the big six or, you know, whoever paid, you know, whatever to be a part of Warren Miller that year. And it, it wasn't Red Lodge, Montana, <laughs> you know, or magic mountain, Vermont. So, you know, the, the casual skier has not, you know, and I mean, it doesn't matter what media it is, you know, ski magazine, uh, powder magazine, you know, they didn't, they don't, they, they, they don't pay for those things, you know, by selling hundred dollar ads. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny, like you mentioned uh, magic mountain and we've, we talked about magic all the time because that's, that could be my favorite place to ski 
on the east it's, it's that I've been mountain. to yet. It's an amazing mountain. We actually mm-hmm. met Jeff last summer mm-hmm. or last um, fall at the Boston Ski and Snowboard yeah. Show. Had yeah. a great chat with him. Mm-hmm. That mountain, I've had some of my best days skiing there. And yeah. it's it's just, and like you mentioned, you don't need the 4,000 you know, acres, the 4,000 feet of vertical some days. Hey, if you, get, if you can get it, God bless you. It's great. Yeah. But if you're with some great people, you have great conditions, that 1,000, 1,500 feet of vertical, you can have some of the best days of your life. Yeah. And, and if there's no lift lines, yeah. you, have, you know. Um, you get some really nice towns that you people know, you, you can, you, don't you even can know have an even it. better time. And, and yeah. that's the thing, you know, some of these big resorts, uh, they're like outdoor malls with chairlifts. You know, you go in and there's, you know, six restaurants and they're all, you know, half of them are chain restaurants or they look like it. You go to a place like Magic and that bar's been operating like that for 50 years. Black and, Line know, Tavern, a good chance yeah. The bartender, yeah, the Black Line Tavern, you can, you know, there's a good chance that the bartender, you know, was patrolling in the morning and he's bartending in the afternoon and he's been doing it for 20 years, you know. Yeah. And that's the kind of vibe that indie resorts um, can give you. And it, it's, you don't find that at these big mega resorts. It's just not there. And for my money, I experienced that. It's old school. It's authentic. It's it's what I want. It's what do you care about? And I know we've kind of, you know, it's it's easy to trash Vale. And, you know, we uh, we were there last year and I made the joke. I'm like, you know, I feel like half the people here are there to buy the sweatshirt, to bring home, to brag to their friends about where they went. They didn't care about the skiing. They didn't go in the back bowls at the first chair. Like they, it, it was the sweatshirt to brag, to show off. Yeah. And I felt the same time we went to Whistler a couple of years yeah, ago too. It, and the first time I went to Whistler, I was blown away by the village. Mm-hmm. I was captivated. It was in, yeah. in by the, the last time I went, I was like, I hate this village. All I want to do is stay up in those mountains as long as I can. Yeah. And then just go to the, the, the locals bar, grab a drink and go to bed. Well, funny thing about yeah. Whistler, I went well, to Whistler, I, I, and then later on in that year, I went to Tremblant, which is a mini version, because that's what Intrawest at the time built, was a mini version of Whistler. And I was like, this is the same thing. I've seen this already. Like, I, I have, it has no appeal. Yeah. 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 You know? Right. And if you're a skier, all those shops, yeah, all that stuff, it, it doesn't and, matter. And, and like, I, I, I it's a resort. Those are true resorts. And yeah, if you're a true skier, you don't care about any of that. Some, some mm-hmm. people want to have a disco and a sushi bar and a spa with their ski experience and others mm-hmm. don't. And, and, you know, if you want that, you're going to pay for it a lot. Right. And if you don't want that, then well, why pay for it? Yeah. Absolutely. And know, I, I, I'm there for the snow. And the terrain and, you know, maybe a beer at the end of the day, but uh, that that's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. And it's the people you're with when you're out there. Go to Cancun. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's yeah, great. You choose, yeah, right? too. yeah I, I had an epiphany last year too. So I, uh, I have a son now who's three years old and I got him started last year. Hmm. And we went to some of the local places that, you know, the places that you would just drive past on your way to, you know, we did a uh, Killington share house for many years. You know, all the places you drive past, you mm-hmm. go, I'm going to Killington. I don't care about all these other places. But now when I have my little guy, I don't want to do that four hour drive. I want to do the hour, hour and a half drive for the day, take right. him, make sure he has fun. 
it's affordable and then go home. So we have family in Connecticut. I found a bunch of local places a half an hour away that I love. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's helping me kind of relive my starting a ski start, like starting ski career again, as you know, seeing it through his eyes, yeah. he doesn't care about a village yeah, or it, it an epic pass. Or he just shop, wants to be right. on the snow <laughs> as much time on the snow as he can yeah. be. And now I'm experiencing that through him yeah. and I'm finding these local places and I'm, I'm falling in love with that again. And it's so much fun. And a bunch of these places on the oh, yeah. pass this year, I plan on taking him as well. Yeah. I mean, I started oh, out when I started, no, you know, millennials, I was, you know, so you, you talk about, you know, a lot of these yeah. people have never done night skiing and it's like, Hey, you know what? Try it once in a while. It's actually kind of cool. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, I haven't done it in years, but, uh, it is yeah. pretty fun. You know, you realize how much you can't see. It is. And <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it actually, you know, makes visibility better in some cases, you know, you get all the shadows. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, and again, I, I, the, the big mountains are, they're awesome. I had one of the, my best days of the year last year at Squaw Valley. It was incredible, but you know, you can't do that every day and you know, or, or most people can't do it every five years. So that's what the Indy pass is there for. I think and it seems like fun, you have to have that mix, you know, like you want to have that special vacation where you go away and you, you know, open up the check checkbook and, and, you know, spend a ton of money. Uh, but you also want to have those fun days with your family or your friends and just kind of hang out on a, on a smaller mountain. I mean, and the Indies are great. You know, a lot of these mountains, you know, you mm-hmm. look at, at the set that you have and you, you've gotten a good, good amount spread out you know, in different, in, in the different regions, which is, which is really yeah. nice. I think it can only help those resorts, you know? Oh yeah. Where we have density, that's where we're selling passes. Um, we added some really great resorts in the, in the uh, Great Lakes region this year and our, our pass sales in uh, Chicago are up 5,000%. Wow. Um, you know, our goal is to have yeah, an indie resort. Finally, this year. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I went yeah, to school you're down, you're down in Florida. You can you could get there in four hours or whatever. Why not? Yeah. And stop at Catalucci on the way. Yeah, uh, we get one more in the Smoky Mountains, and you know, I think Charlotte's going to be a real hub for us. But well, I went to App up in Boone, and there was Sugar and you know, Hawks yeah. and Ask, like all those little mountains there, and it was like it was cool to just go for the day. You know? Oh yeah, there's, there's great places to hang out and have fun and. And, um, yeah, I mean, our goal is to have an indie resort within a day, within reach of, of everyone in the United States that lives in a, you know, a skiable state, um, so that they can, they can ski and sleep in their own bed. It's great. And, and we think that, you know, maybe by the end of next year, we'll, we'll, we'll be there. You know, I think it's 70 or 80 resorts. Uh, across the the U.S. and Canada, and and we can achieve that kind of density. So, nice. how many resorts do you have on there at this moment? Because I know you just added at least yeah, 50, today, right? fifty six. We just 56. added Swain uh, Resort in New York, Western New York. That's our fir- first resort. Uh, you know, um, really west of the Catskills, and um, we're real excited about that. Now, people from Rochester in the north to northern Pennsylvania. In the south can can access that resort and 
Um, if they happen to have a season pass at Swain, they can buy an Indy pass for 129 bucks. Nice. And, and have access to all of, all of uh, our other mountains. It won't work at Swain, but they don't need it to. So now we've talked a lot about, you know, the history. And now what exactly do you get when you buy an Indy pass? What sort of like, what is it, what does a, a skier mm-hmm. get to do then? Like what sort yeah. of, so you get two days at each resort and they, they, they don't have to be used consecutively. Uh, you can only redeem one ticket per day. So you have an Indy pass, you walk up to the ticket window. We don't issue any passes, you know, we, for 199 bucks, we can't afford to. So you go to the ticket window and um, you pull out your driver's license and you say, I have an Indy pass and they look you up in our system. It's a, it's a cloud-based uh, system that we have invested uh, a lot of time and money to, to develop. And uh, they find out if you have a redemption at their resort, they, they click the, the, the button on the screen and then they issue you a day ticket. And if you want to come back the next day, you, you can do that. If you want to come back two months later, you can do that. Right. So that's, that's how the, the system works. And then if you use your two days, uh, you can buy a third day for 25% off, whatever the daily rate is. And, um, um, we have discounts. We have lodging discounts for pass holders. Um, we do have four resorts that have blackouts on on holidays and peak weekends. And if you have a uh, an Indy Plus pass, you don't have any blackouts, so it costs a little more. But uh, if you have an Indy pass and you want to ski on a blackout day, you just have to buy a lift ticket, but you get a twenty five percent discount on that lift ticket. So you can ski at all resorts every day of the season for free or in some uh some cases a, a discount nice yeah have you guys uh have you guys i know you talked about warren miller before have you guys thought about doing some sort of video production of some lucky person bouncing around to all the different indie pass resorts for the season that has been discussed <laughs> that would be quite a we, challenge right hit every if you're looking for some some people to uh, participate, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I think I said uh, I think I said on another podcast that if anyone can uh, ski at all all the resorts, use all the days. I'll give them a, f- a free pass for life. Nice. Ah, there so, you go. Uh, it's a lot of that's a lot of days though, and a lot of driving. I, I don't I don't know. They would driving they would fine. earn it if they. Probably if driving's they, the easiest, right? That's some commitment. Yeah. You'd have to yeah. have like some schematics there too and find out which way is a, that'd, that'd be tricky too, because you have to kind of geographically, you have to be very precise. Then the snow yeah. could also be in your favor yeah. or against, depending on where it's falling. So it's a lot of logistical. It would be, it would be tough. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we've talked about that and, and um, uh, we we're in the process of, uh, you know, working with some video crews in different parts of the country that are going to go out and, and shoot videos at our, our resorts this winter. Uh, we, uh, you know, you bring it up. It's funny. We, we've got a contest that we're going to be launching in a couple of weeks. It hasn't been announced yet, but we're going to give away a dream vacation. It's a road trip. And um, uh, you can enter on our website. We'll, we'll fly you into Portland, Oregon. We'll put, hook you up in a, a luxury um camper van by Rome America 
and uh, give you two Indy Plus passes, uh, uh, two pairs of brand new atomic skis and bindings. Wow. And you can head out into the Northwest or the North, North Northern Rockies, whichever you prefer. And, uh, you know, ski your guts out. That's very, very cool. cool. Yeah. I all airfare, that. all expense. You know, we're giving them a thousand dollars cash, uh, oh. airfares included, uh, to dream vacation. Nice. And that'll, that'll be, people can enter to win that on our website starting, uh, around October 15th, I think. Okay. And that's indiepass.com. Indieskipass.com. Indieskipass.com. Oh, don't go mm-hmm. to indiepass.com. That's weird. No, I think you're working with the Indianapolis Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of skiing in Indiana yet, is there? <laughs> There's some. There's some. There is some. Yeah. No resorts on the Indy Pass yet, though. Not in that state, no. Not, not in Indiana. Not, not yet. Eventually. Yes. So it's so funny when, you guys added Swain because I, I heard of Swain before and I just looked it up and it's right near, not far from Holiday Valley. That's where I learned how to ski. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Holiday so. Valley is the, they're the big iconic uh, resort in Western New York yeah. uh, that everybody yeah. talks about. And, and I hope to be a uh, ski at someday. Nice. Yeah. But yeah. I went there for the first time earlier this year and we, oh, did a, uh-huh. we went to uh, holiday Valley, Holly month, which is the other side of that mountain range. Mm-hmm. And then uh peak and peak, which is oh, right yeah. on the Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. New York border. And yes, I mean, Ellicottville, New York is a legit ski town. I mean, it's a, oh, cool. it, was a it was a really cool yeah. spot. I know, I think it was powder had called it the Aspen of the East, which is a ridiculous statement. And it's not even, I would not even classify it anything remotely like that. Huh. But, uh, but passionate skiers, passionate outdoors folks in the summertime, yeah. just a, a just great people that we met there. And mm-hmm. you know, once this whole pandemic went down and everything, you know, restaurants closing, businesses closing, resorts obviously closing, that was one of the first things I thought about. Were like those folks, like how, like yeah. what could, what's going to happen to them? Because you know, it's been tough. It's been very tough on tough. those people. And you know, it's been tough on the ski industry, obviously. But it looks like your pass may be one of those things that possibly benefited from it where people maybe are a little reluctant to take those, those, uh, limit, you know, limit the numbers on other mountains. They don't want to fly. They'd rather have something a little closer. They can drive to this is where do you you think think that that contributed all to your sales? Um, I think it is. Yeah. I think it's, I think that, um, people do want to stay closer to home. They, you know, it's no question we're in a recession. People want to save money. Um, and I think that, you know, people want to get back to a simpler time. You know, when, when life wasn't so fast and furious and big and crazy and, uh, the Indy Pass kind of speaks to that. Our resorts speak to that. Um, think about it on your vacation time. You almost want to go to someplace that, that isn't all jacked up and, and, you know, on steroids, like some of the big resorts you want, um, maybe a little slower, a little more rural, a little more, you know, quaint. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, outdoor recreation in general is exploding. Yeah. Um, you know, bike sales, golf, right? Bike sales, golf sales, fishing sales, uh, camping. I mean, everything is boat just got off the hook. <laughs> yeah. And boat sales. Um, and, but you can't do any of those things in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> There's kind of one thing you can do, and that's ski, that's ski true. and snowboard. And so uh, I think that uh, probably more than anything is contributing to our, um, our increase and you know veils up 18 percent 
I mean, wow. for us to be up 600% is, you know, it's impressive and everything, but we're kind of starting from zero. Those guys are not starting from zero and they're still up 18%. Yeah. it's funny. So that, kept, that tells me there's a lot of demand. Yeah. And it's funny. They kept like extending their, uh, their, their deadline too. You know, they kept like, well, the, the deadline is a uh, labor day. It's like, well, yeah. now it's going to be the 18th. It's like, they, they just yeah, kept well, whatever it takes. <laughs> yep. yeah. those, and it, uh, that's, that's the one thing that, you know, that's cool too, about the Indy pass is that, you know, I know you mentioned it in your email, you sent out to, to folks who signed up that 85% of the revenue from the Indy pass is returned to the partner resorts based on redemptions. Yeah. And, you know, in these times, and I should, they all got probably, you know, hurt badly last season with the, having to shut down early and they did you know, whole COVID mm. to have a pass that's actually helping them and giving them back. I mean, without those resorts, a lot of those smaller resorts, you're not going to get the big resorts. People aren't going to get into the industry. They're not going to get their kids started. You're not just going to all of a sudden go, you know what? I'm going to start skiing. Let's book a trip to Jackson hole. It's just not right. gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. You got to hit those local places it's first. Yeah. You got to fall in love with the sport first. And that's another thing why I love this pass. You know, it's going to get people to fall in love either mm-hmm. for the first time or again with skiing yeah. and snowboarding. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'll be honest with you. Um, about 15% of our pass holders have an icon or an Epic pass and, yeah. you know, another 10% have a season pass. So we're not just selling to, you know, two or three timers. We're, right. we're selling to a lot of core people that, use this as an, as a supplement, yeah, like know, a local whether, supplement. whether it be a, a travel supplement or, you know, to run their kids up to the hill, I, you know, whatever, but um, it, it's appealing to a, to a, a pretty broad market. Now the future of the Indy pass. So as it gets bigger and bigger, do you eventually see maybe East West passes or a limit on the number of resorts or is it just kind of going, or are you just going with, with what, whatever happens. No, we were, we, we watched the data, um, meticulously. And, um, the, the last thing we want to do is, um, cannibalize season pass sales. Right. If we do that, then, you know, we're going to start losing resorts. So we have to be very careful with the density because if, if you can, get an indie pass and, you know, ski eight or 10 days on your indie pass and sleep in your own bed. You don't have, you know, a lot of people won't need a a season pass and they could opt to not purchase a season pass. So we have to be very careful about where we, you know, where geography is as, is as important as anything. And we've had to turn people down because our density and our, our, is getting, you know, too great in a particular area. Oh, wow. um, but there are areas of the country where, you know, we have, we have no impact and, and those are Indiana, those are Indiana yes. <laughs> uh, more importantly, Colorado or yeah. uh, Lake Tahoe, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so we've got some work to do in some of the, you know, uh, skiing meccas of the United States. And, uh, but I think we'll get there. And, and, uh, and once we yeah. do, I, I think we'll have, like, like I said, we want to have, a, a resort within a day drive of every skier in the United States. That's great. Cool. Unless they live in Florida, sorry, or Miami. That might Hawaii. be tough. Right. <laughs> yeah, not That's why I'm looking at Gatlinburg. <laughs> right. <laughs> Virginia might, you know, that would be all right. North Carolina, maybe, but. So you mentioned yeah. kind of your, uh, you know, how this 630% increase has completely exceeded your expectations. What were your expectations when you started this? Well, we wanted to be up uh, two to four hundred percent this year. 
So we're exceeding even our high projections. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, we're starting from virtually zero. So, you know, the numbers are still not huge, but it's, it's a trend. And I think that, uh, uh, the more people that find out about the Indie Pass, the, the, the more people who are going to realize it's a no brainer and take advantage of it. And I think we'll continue to continue to grow. Yeah, it's great. Um, I'm pulling for you. I want to see it grow. Yeah, we're excited too. And, you know, we, we talked about a lot of the different mountains, you know, especially, you know, we talked about magic at nauseam. People give me always kind of break my, my balls about it because I I talk about all the time. I love that place. So passionate about it. And there's some places in New Hampshire, like I haven't got to yet. And again, it's for where I live in New Jersey, Vermont's a little bit easier to get to, but now I'm like, why haven't I gone to Cannon? Why haven't I gone up to uh, to Berkshire in Massachusetts? Mm-hmm. And now because of this pass, I feel I, I feel like I'm powered to go. Like, yeah, just yeah, why go. Not? You already I'm have thinking, the pass. I'm thinking just about go. a flight, a flying in and road trip. That's yeah, that's my trips that's, this year. Dude, yeah, that's a that's a great great way to do it. And uh, um, a lot of people are are taking that approach. There's a real movement, a real. I don't know. It's just that people want to hit the road, you know, yeah. and uh, stuck in a plane or do a, do a road trip as opposed to flying to a destination, staying there for a week. Right. You know, I, I think millennials in particular, they want to, they want to explore and discover new mm-hmm. things and, and have new experiences. And, and I think that that's really, um, you know, creating a, you know, the other segment that's, that's, that's really exploded this year is, uh, RVs, you know, van life that that's really big. And, uh, you know, van life, uh, intersects with ski bum, you know, wannabes. And what do you got? You got, you got ski resorts. that are going to be putting in, uh, you know, electrical outlets in their parking yeah, lots. Parking de- designated parking. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. Like I, I just saw an article, I think it was, on curbs yesterday or today or today and they were talking about how just the parking is 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 a concern now they may have to bus people in because it's just you know you're taking up all the space with you know people with one person in a car now you got to park yeah. the car and it's like you know oh yeah yeah no that's a, a huge problem in uh little cottonwood canyon uh in utah they they can't fit any more skiers at alta and snowbird because they can't park them you know, yeah. they're, they're talking about building a, uh, a, gondola. Um, a gondola from the from, airport. Yeah. Well, not quite from the airport, but at least the mouth of the Canyon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, my, my home mountain on Mount hood, Oregon, uh, Timberline, you know, is a, is a great mountain up there and, uh, they park out half their weekends wow. they've got capacity for way more people on the mountain, but forest service only gives them this much room for a parking lot and once they fill it that's it yeah i know that was the issue at a basin too when they were on the epic pass and part of the reason why they got off of it and yeah our friends out in seattle and i think uh i forget if it was stevens or crystal same thing you know if you're not there yeah. by 7 30 on a powder day yeah you know, the parking lot's shut down plenty of ski yeah. capacity but nowhere to park yeah we went up to uh jay peak one time on a powder day and we didn't realize it was going to be a powder day we just woke up at like four in the morning and just got in the car. We drove from Killington and mm-hmm. uh, it's funny. We got there and we saw people skinning up the, you know, 
up the mountain, up the road. And we're like, oh, I guess they, they live local. And we get there. And I found out later that day that they ran out of parking. We just got lucky getting in there probably a half hour before they closed the parking lot. But these yeah. people were prepared. They're like, no, nah, I, I know how it works. They just park down the road and they skin up and then they ski, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Um, you're just going to start having to pay for parking. Yeah. If you're not already. And, uh, um, we have to start packing. Adds, adds to the, adds to the cost. Um, you know, there, that's a, that's a real issue in the, in the uh, industry parking. Yeah. There's a real concern in a lot of, a lot of places, but to be honest with you, most of our resorts have plenty of parking and they've got plenty of capacity. capacity. And, and that's, you know, it's just not a, it's not an issue that most of our resorts have to worry about. But that's what we all want. We don't want to be crowded on the mountain, right? You want to, you want to no. be able to ski, relax, enjoy mm-hmm. the nature, enjoy the, the, you know, the area, the people it's, it's, you don't want to be crowded in and funneled through these, these huge lift lines, you know? No, nobody does. So, and uh, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it gets to now with a lot of the resorts having restrictions based on either how many, you know, how many people can be on a chairlift or how many mm-hmm. tickets they can sell. Yeah. You know, that's, that's going to be another big concern. You know, you're not, you don't want to go to resort and wait three hours in line to get on the. No, the I, I, I think that, uh, um, I think for most, most of the days this winter, um, restrictions and, and capacity issues are not going to be a concern, mm-hmm. you know, with respect to COVID. Yeah. Um, and, but on a, you know, if it's a, if it's a Saturday and you got fresh powder, yeah, it's going to be a problem. And you better have a ticket, you know, buy a ticket in advance and get there early or you may get aced. Well, I noticed too about a lot of these resorts uh, all across um, is a lot of them had night skiing. So if the day's mm-hmm. packed, usually night skiing gets a little colder, you bundle up a little mm-hmm. more, you go out and you brave it, but yeah, get some tracks at night, you know, and, and yeah, it's not for sure. usually, you know, yeah, there's usually no powder left, but yeah. you know, you can, you can get your runs in. Mario is the king of night skiing. You gotta get lucky if there's like powder at the end of the day, and then people. If, if, yeah, if it's dumping, if it starts dumping at two o'clock, you're you're yeah. golden. Yeah, <laughs> jump in there and especially you go. Close, you jump in the car at the last minute and go. Yeah, yeah. And there's then I no guess better snow than the snow that just fell. Yeah, right? that's right. Now I guess based in talking about COVID, obviously, I guess all the resorts have their own, you know, resort dependent policy on how they're going to handle that right in terms of restrictions mm-hmm. and number of tickets being sold mm-hmm. um are, is there any priority that goes to indie pass holders or is it only for season pass holders at those resorts? no guarantee of, of a of a priority um you know covid came on um uh, after most of our contracts were signed and you know there's just no way to get it uh, on a, in a uniform way but um i can tell you that um, some of our resorts will give priority to indie pass holders. Uh, some of them will, will, uh, will, you know, treat the indie pass holders just like a day ticket buyer. And, you know, you have to reserve your spot in advance. You still get a free day, a free ticket, but if you don't have a reservation, you're not going to get on the Hill. You know, if it's a, if it's a busy Saturday, that's going to, that's going to be an issue. And if you make a reservation and you take up a slot, at that resort and you don't show up, you're going to, you're going to probably forfeit your day. 
that's going to be deducted from your account. It's only fair, right? Yeah, yeah. it is only fair. And and so, you know, people are just going to have to be uh, respectful and, and they're going to have to plan a little bit. And, and um, you know, w- w- you know, given those those things, um, I don't think anybody's season is going to be too seriously impacted. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think, again, like, a, you know, a plan like this, the Indy Pass, just having all these these great smaller resorts that people, you know, you buy this, you may, like I did, drive past a couple of these places and not think twice about going there. And now, yeah. because of COVID, because of just my eyes being opened, you know, my curiosity mm-hmm. being peaked, I'm just, I, I'm excited for all these small family-run resorts kind of getting like a second chance almost. You know, and it's, yeah, and we need them, we need them yeah. to have the big resorts, you know, we need they're, to get the they're the heart and soul of this, of the ski business. And there's so much you know, passion the in them too. The, they're the backbone of the sport we all love. 100%. And they deserve everyone's support, I think. Yeah. And they're small businesses, you know, it's like, do you, do you, do you, do you buy your stuff from a, a local business or do you, do you get everything from Amazon, you know? Um, ski swap. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that, um, honestly, most of our resorts have not published their COVID policy for the winter. You know, they're, they're working on them, you know, they're strapped for bandwidth and, and they're, they're coming. They still got a couple of months before the season starts, but honestly, most of our resorts are probably not going to have a reservation requirement. And, um, you know, I can't say that for sure, because like I said, that's not been published, but that's my guess. Altera said most of their resorts are not going to have reservations required. Mm. So, um, it's a constantly moving target and it's different. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, they could get into the season and realize, oh, this is not that bad. Let's, you know, yeah, you're blow, outdoors, it, right? blow it open, you know, outdoors, right? So. Yeah. Can of Lysol on the lifts, start spraying yourself, your neighbor. <laughs> Good to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep your, he'll hold your breath until you get off the lift. Yeah. Uh, it's a small but, price to pay. Yeah. I mean, once you get on the hill, it's not a problem. Right. You know, there can't, there's no safer place to be. I don't think than on a ski hill, it's yeah. where the, the choke points in the lodge and, you know, the parking lot and those places where, you know, we have some safety issues that have to be dealt with. Yeah, the lodges are going to be definitely pack a sandwich and a and a thermos. Yeah, exactly. And I pray ski car- in the parking lot. Yeah, your car is your private lodge. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's what the campers are for, right? Party. Oh yes. Yeah, then you're then you're in luxury. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna see a lot of those apre apre party campers. Yeah, I think so. Tailgating lot. ski yep. style. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That'd be great. Bring a grill, some burgers. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, make, a yeah. lot of new, make a lot of new friends. Oh, yeah. there's going to be tons of that. Tons yeah. of that. And it's going to yeah. be interesting to see the way the local authorities and the resorts handle those people. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it will be a lot of fun. And I think, uh, you know, for the most part, it'll be a really great vibe. In, I hope in the so. Park, the parking lots of ski resorts this winter. We just go yeah. and hang out in the parking lots. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, know, maybe you can't get on the mountain. You can't get a reservation. Just hang out in the parking lot. Right. What are you doing today? Hanging out? Right. So, Professional selling, beer, selling beers for three dollars a piece. There you go. Whatever. Here, here. Help yeah. help fund your indie pass, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Doug. Anything else that you want to add? Uh indieskipass.com is where people can go and get their, their indie passes. Yes. 
Uh, well, yeah, just a quick pitch. If you buy before October 15th, you can make three easy payments. Uh, I know 199 is, uh, you know, it's not a huge, huge sum, but if you're buying for your family or um, whatnot, you can make three payments. And, um, you know, if you're buying one pass, that's $66. Uh, you know, every month or uh, for each payment that, but you have to get your, your uh, purchase in by the 15th of October. Um, the other deadline is, is November 30th. We give you all the way to November 30th before we raise the price. So everybody's got plenty of time to, you know, read the farmer's almanac or decide, <laughs> you know, what your level of, of, of COVID uh, safety needs to be. Um uh, but you know the price goes up on on December first, and uh, and uh, we hope everyone will will check us out, come to the website, and consider buying a pass and supporting independent resorts. Awesome! We're super excited about it, and Good. you know we we have our indie passes. We're excited, and we're we're thankful that you help put this together. This is, yeah, well, this is great. Thank you for supporting it. Yeah, and uh, it's a, an honor to be on your uh, podcast and. I appreciate the opportunity to tell our story. It was great having you on. Yeah, so, Doug, thank, thank you so much. We really do appreciate your time. You're thank welcome. You. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Yeah, happy turns this winter. Same yeah. to you. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you want more information, IndieSkiPass.com or check us out, SkiBumpPodcast.com or send us an email, SkiBumpPodcast at gmail.com. Under the ropes. All right, so court rules that Subway sandwiches are too sugary to meet legal definition of bread. <laughs> Their bread so, has too much goddamn sugar in it. Too much sugar. So this is in Ireland. It went to the Ireland's highest court, um, and they ruled that the starch used in Subway sandwich is too sugary to meet the definition of bread, uh, which is a legal dis- distinction which would affect their taxes. So I guess under, you know, if it's, if it's granted a staple status, then you pay minimal to no taxes versus if it's, if it's not, then it's, um, taxed at a, at a higher rate. So they, um, they came out with a justification. Oh, where is it? Um, when you look at the picture of the subway bread, it doesn't look like bread. It looks like something that, uh, What's that freaking bald cake maker guy on the Food Network? It looks like one of those cakes he would make. Oh, duh. Look like a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right? That's what it looks like. It looks so shiny and smooth. <laughs> but there can't be any nutritional value in there. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So they're actually saying, according to nutrition facts posted by Subway, a six inch white bread roll has five grams of sugar, similar to that of one Oreo cookie. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So it's basically a sandwich surrounded by two cookies. I think I can name every single time in my life I've eaten at Subway. Yeah. I will say there is one right on the Vermont, New York border, the Subway in that gas station. Remember we ate there that one time? Oh yeah. We were driving up to, to, I think it was Killington and it was late on, I think, a Thursday or Friday night, and nothing was open. Thank God that I think they were open for like five more minutes after we left. It's a good sub, too. I, I don't want to say it was a. I guess it depends what 
the, your definition, you have to you have to put into account the fact that it was super late and nothing was open. So at that moment, yes, it was a delicious sub. That's where I understood where Subway has a purpose in this world. So you're desperate and you're starving. And you don't want some something fried. You it was fried. that or Taco Bell in Bennington. I was leaning towards Taco Bell, but I wasn't sure we we're going to make it before <laughs> it closed. Then it would have been completely screwed. Oh, yeah. So there's just nothing there. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I love this, too. All six of the company's bread options. Italian white bread, Italian herbs and cheese, nine grain wheat, hearty Italian, nine grain multi-seed, and honey oat were deemed too sugary by the court to qualify as bread. Damn. Like, seriously? And they wonder why everyone's so fucking fat. Yeah. In America and why we're spreading our fattiness. Spreading the fatness. But but they're like at least blocking it, saying, okay, you can bring your fat stuff in here and we'll just tax the shit out of it. We're just like ooey gooey cheese just melting all over the world. Yeah. All of our fattiness getting into everyone's nooks and crannies. That that's a good term. Nooks that's and crannies. Em- that's embarrassing for Subway. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Especially that's- when they they were trying to advertise that it's a very good for you and you can use it for dieting and they the creepy Jared guy, and then they got rid of Jared guy. And hey, Where the hell's Jared these days? He's in prison, isn't he? Eh, hopefully. Creepy bastard. Yeah. He got charged with, uh, he got found guilty of all that. What did he have, like child porn or something? I don't even want to Google his name because don't, they're, don't they're going to mark me for child porn. No. Yeah, no. I don't know. He did something. That's why you only click on MILF. Because <laughs> you don't want no teen, no anything else. Just MILFing up. Yeah, Jared. Yeah, he. I don't know what he got busted for, but I don't even want to look it up. Let's put it that way. They just yes. put him away for a, a long time. I heard he was their guy. Yeah. What was that? And was it? Was it supersize me? We had the thing where he's like telling this fat girl to like eat Subway sandwiches. Oh, is he? Because he was such like a company man. He's uh, <laughs> like, I lost weight by eating just Subway sandwiches. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that all he did? Really? Hey, Allegedly. Whatever. That's his story. Ugh. Yeah. I will say, though, the Belichick Subway commercial, kind of funny. Yeah, that's all right. Eh. Yeah. Now, do you hate the Patriots less now with Brady gone or equally? Uh, well, now I'm in Tampa, so everybody loves him here. Um, everywhere but... you go. Everywhere you go. He's hunting everybody, you down. Everybody follows me around. <laughs> He, uh, I still hate the Patriots. I hate them a lot still. I hate them maybe a little bit more than I used to. Really? With Brady gone, huh? Yeah, because I think Belichick wants to show that he could do it without Tom. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. He wouldn't have been there without Tom. Yeah. I will tell you another thing about Subway that I fucking hate. <laughs> Their current commercials, because during the NHL playoffs. And yeah. congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, they got a very uh, hard fought win for the cup. Do they so, had the parade yesterday and they were showing it on TV? We didn't we didn't get tickets. It was like in the down. water, right? Like was it a water parade? Well, they did a water parade to the stadium. 
uh, to Raymond James. Okay. And then they had the whole thing in Raymond James because it's open air. Okay. But uh, they were showing some of those guys were just hammered. They were obliterated. <laughs> they were just sitting there like, I was like, they're seeing life in another dimension right now. They have no idea what's going on. And they showed them like wave runners and stuff like cruising around. And that was pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, that was pretty good. But uh, yeah, and then they raised the cup and they had the fan, some fans there. It was limited. Um, I got to say, this is a hockey town. You know, everybody loves them. It's bananas. So, so congrats to the Lightning. Unfortunately, the Islanders weren't there. But at least they lost to the champs. That's true. Right? They didn't lose to like the shittiest team in the whole tournament like the Penguins did. They lost yeah. to Montreal, who was the worst goddamn team there. Montreal. But anyway, the worst thing was, so during the, the, the playoffs, they were showing those subway commercials. And there's that one chick who looks like Alicia Keys. She's like, $5 foot long. Like she's like into it. It's like, oh, yeah. stop it. You're just <laughs> whoring yourself out for cheap sandwiches. Like you're not into it. You're not feeling the song. They're not even sandwiches. They're freaking pieces of they're just, their Oreos with meat on it. They're, they're just meat Oreos. Sugary future diarrhea. That's all they are. <laughs> it's pretty much a future diarrhea pill. That's what they should call their sandwiches. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I don't know how they can advertise that they have any health value now. That's that, going to be a problem. That commercial, like I almost threw a ski boot at the TV. <laughs> I was so pissed off at that commercial. Uh, that's awesome. Like I just get... I get mad. It just, it, it's just everything I hate about commercialism and marketing and just people who got to pay their goddamn bills. Like everything I hate about America was all personified in that commercial. (laughs) Now you said you were going to throw a ski boot at it. Now is your place, you just got ski shit laying around or would you have gone downstairs Found your ski boot, got it and threw it at the TV. If you must know, I was doing my aero ski with my ski boots on oh, that day. Okay. So I actually had them on. Now, I will say there are lots, there is ski shit all over my house. Random. Right. We have, we have decorative skis in our foyer. Really? Which we bought because we're such posers. You bought decorative skis? Put decorative skis at Michael's. Oh, those like the wooden plank old. Yeah, they look like 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 old skis, but they're just really just pieces of shit made in China. Yeah. My son tries to like he tries to like cross country ski in them. He nice. loves them. Yeah. And you're like, go ahead, kid. I got them at Michael's. Go right yeah. ahead. Destroy my floor. It's already warped. Who cares? <laughs> Knock this house down in two years anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just there is random ski shit everywhere. That's awesome. And I keep trying to remind myself to get him new boots for this season. So yeah, here's a tip. If you are doing season rentals, do it before Columbus day, which I think is like a week from Monday. Hmm. Something like that. That's what they always say. If you can do it way ahead of time to avoid all the crazies, all the insanity. Cause you once get out, if you do it during quarantine, you're right on <laughs> I was supposed to return my gear back in March or April because we did a season rental, but they said they were closed. So they're like, keep it to the fall. So get your season rentals in early. You have the best selection of available gear. Well, do they even remember that you held them from last year or they have my deposit? Damn it. The way they do it. I did it through ski barn. 
they they took like an extra hundred bucks towards next season ahead of time. They they've got it figured out. Like they, they, got, they got you a, by the bulls. They got a deal going. They Some got you of... by the bulls. Trust me. Wow. They also gave you a free book of of free ski passes, which is kind of nice. So they have like the packet with uh, a bunch of different local resorts, and you get like you know free or discounted lift tickets. So you know. the, so they gave you that book, and they give you the Kama Sutra because you were. Gonna... <laughs> Dude, every which way. Dude, everywhere I've been turning the last two weeks, I've been getting banged in the ass. Like everywhere. I was telling you before the podcast started. Last week, the day before my wife is giving birth, my son and her are having a little dance party in the car. Adorable. Car's not running. They're just listening to music and having a little snack. My son, a little lunatic, jumps up, hits his head on the Subaru Outback windshield and breaks the windshield, like cracked the windshield with his little friggin' melon head. So I had to go buy a new goddamn windshield for the goddamn car. I got threatened to like have my homeowner's insurance canceled because the dipshits at Wells Fargo couldn't figure out how to fucking send a bill to a uh, insurance company because you know they don't do that every goddamn day. If thank Wells God Fargo, they talk to each other, right? Thank God Wells fucking Fargo can open a bunch of fake accounts for people to make their to cook their books. That's fine. They have no problem doing that, but actually doing what they're supposed to do, they can't fucking wrap their head around that. Can't do it. Um, who else is banging me in the ass this week? I can't even remember. But there's like three other people, and there's a whole line of people out the door. <laughs> Uh, I can't even fucking up. remember. It's just been like bang me in the ass week. Bang me in the Brian's bang me in the ass week. Yeah. Yeah, but you got a baby, a new baby girl out of it. So yes, yes, I do. And I'm sure she's gonna cause me stress beyond my goddamn belief. But the, you know what? That's down the road. Right now, the best part is this is gonna be taped and she'll be able to listen to this. But like <sighs> Dad, I remember when you said that about me when I was just a little baby. <laughs> yeah. Now I've got some weird gender that didn't even exist when you had that podcast in oh 2020. I don't even want to think what's going on. This is why gotta move to the mountains. That's why we gotta just bring bears in. Just let bears loose in the suburbs. Why, why have zoos? Just let them. I want to be on the top of the mountain and let all the animals just hang out on the rest of the mountain. Nobody can get up. This is why I loved the last crappy Jurassic Park movie that came out because exactly. they're just like, you know what? Let's let the dinosaurs just run rampant in the suburbs. And I think that's what we kind of need. I think yeah. there'd be less political infighting. There'd be less nonsense. There'd be more people going, oh my God, I get to go home with my family and sleep in my house because I didn't get eaten by a bear today or a velociraptor. Can I think you need more of that. You like going out to commute and the raptors over on, you know, is over by Broadway and uh, whatever. People like run into another block to get the hell out of there. Clever girl. Yeah. You just, I, I think we need more of that. We're just not appreciative of anything. And we got fucking Subway pumping sugar into all of our bullshit. And they're not the only ones. They're going to be like, Mara, why don't you go to work today? There's a line outside. I ain't Dude, going outside. <laughs> fucking bears. They're everywhere. Everything is out there. Yeah. I tell you, yeah, there's a lot of people that wouldn't be hanging out on the, on the Pinellas Trail like they shouldn't. A lot less freeloaders, right? Yeah. Just dinosaurs, like giant eagles just coming in and picking people off. See, closing parts of the city down. Just closed. Anybody going to get them out? Nope. <laughs> I, think, I think for humans to continue and survive, we need to bring the dinosaurs back. Yeah. Release the Kraken. 
Well, uh, somebody was, I heard a story about a, a coyote just coming up to somebody and, uh, oh no, my brother said he's in Miami. Well, not Miami. Uh, the hell is he? West Palm. So he's in West Palm and he said, um, one of his neighbors, there was a, a coyote that came up and tried to take his dog, just pick it up and walk away. I'm bigger than this dog. There's a little yappy dog. So that's eh, all right. We need less of those too. They it was said like a snack dog anyway. So there's a great, I think it was a book, The World Without Us. It talks about what would happen if humans just left the planet. They said the first casualties would be dogs because they're so stupid now and they're so dependent on us, they would have no idea what to do. They said yeah. cats, they'll be fine. They'll figure out what to eat. They'll be fine. They'll yeah. fight the dogs. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, Mario. Speaking of eating delicious things. You want to follow this one up? Go ahead. I'll let you start this. All right. <laughs> I got to find the goddamn story. I'm just like still seething from goddamn everything. Yeah, I know. You had a, lot, you had a busy week. Oh, God. I'm sleep deprived. I'm exercise deprived. I'm sun deprived. Oh. But, but I will carry on. I will... Re- I will revisit this podcast a year from now and I will, I will laugh. Yes. This is proof evidence or whatever you want to call it. Exhibit a, I'm sure in someone's case against me. You know. <laughs> Exhibit a. Yes. Man dies after eating bag of licorice every day for a few weeks. God damn. A Massachusetts construction workers love of black licorice wound up costing him his life. I know I sent you this, Mario, you and our buddy Rem, this article, and I was concerned that it was a bus driver in we, Vermont uh, who's from Massachusetts because I could have seen him dying of a heart attack eating too much licorice. Yeah, that, that might have happened. I don't know. It was either that or drinking too much. Too much pot roast. I don't know. A Massachusetts construction worker's love of black licorice wound up costing him his life, eating a bag and a half every day for a few weeks threw his nutrients out of balance and caused the 54-year-old man's heart to stop. Wow. Just stop. And this, according to Dr. Neil Butala, a cardiologist at Mass General, said even a small bit of licorice can increase your blood pressure a little bit. Hmm. The problem is glycerizic acid found in black licorice and in many other foods and dietary supplements containing licorice root extract it can cause dangerously low potassium and imbalances in other mineral eh, minerals principally electrolytes so is that acid the one that was like found by snoop dog glycerizic <laughs> glycerizic glycerizic sipping on gin and glycerizic acid juice <laughs> that's crazy shit yeah eating as little as two ounces of black licorice a day for two weeks could cause a heart rhythm problem. That's disturbing. Over 40. Dude, that's really disturbing. Yeah. Because they talk about all the other uses of it too. It's just not in the candy licorice. Yeah, right? That's poor, something this, to be said for the fake licorice. This poor bastard collapsed while having lunch at a fast food restaurant. I just picture like Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> I was on not too long ago. I <laughs> Why don't you take a part of your burger and we'll tell you. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, uh, my, uh, let's uh, uh, heart rhythm and other problems. Emergency responders did CPR and he revived but died the next day. Two guys called it in and then hit the road. Uh, They're driving in an 84 <laughs> sheepdog. Uh, it's not funny, but it's also really, really funny. It is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, so they're talking about all that. Like, you really got to watch. <laughs> oh, there's another person that uh, that died and switched from red to flu favorite. Uh, oh, to the black licorice a few weeks before his death. So they're saying it really could. I never knew. So the fruit flavored ones, he was good for 54 years. Black licorice, dead. Black licorice matters. <laughs> uh, Duh, yeah. We're going to have to edit that out, aren't we? <laughs> Remember I made the joke a couple years ago about black IPAs mattering? Oh, yeah. There's somebody will get us, like, I don't know, in 10 years. Be like, <laughs> what the fuck did you guys say? Just shut the fuck up and laugh and just move on with your life, you goddamn fucking tattletales. We didn't do anything that anybody worse than anybody else hasn't done. Why is everyone have such thin skin and such a tattletale? Everyone's such a fucking baby now. People used yep. to be fucking cool. Like John Wayne wouldn't tell you, just punch you in the face. Exactly. Now, you know? it's like, oh, he punched me in the face. I'm gonna tweet him at this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dox him. I'm gonna don't come near me. Him. Don't come near me. Everyone's such a fucking pussy. I'm telling you, I'm rooting for the wolves and the bears and the yeah. friggin' return of the dinosaurs because we goddamn need it. Oh, we need like some some bigger than life uh, birds of prey. That's what we need. More birds of prey. Uh, like like friggin' ter- pterodactyls. Yeah. Just like a, a giant size owl. Like just picking a few off a day. Yeah. Just carry them off. Bye. See, it was yeah. your time. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I don't goddamn know. I don't goddamn know anything. I feel like I know less after this podcast than I did before. Yes. And frankly, I'm okay with that. We're all in this <laughs> together, people. We're learning. We're loving. Your answer is wrong. And I feel... Is <laughs> <laughs> that all? That was Billy Madison, right? Yes, it was. <laughs> so according to the FDA... They're allowed to have 3.1% of a food's content is to ha- has a glycerizic acid, but many candies and other licorice products don't reveal how much of it is contained per ounce. Wow, that's Jeff, scary. Jeff Beckman, a spokesman for the Hershey's company, somehow can sleep at night, but which makes Twizzlers Licorice Twist said an email that all of our products are safe to eat and formulated in full compliance with FDA regulations, and that all foods, including candy, should be enjoyed in moderation, even though we don't want to tell our stockholders that because we want to make sure they keep buying. Like, like everyone's so full of shit. Yep. Everyone's covering their ass. Everyone's full of shit. See, ours are better because they're made of fake stuff. So I think it's if you get the real plant stuff, right? Just don't eat goddamn licorice. Like, are you six years old? Glyceric acid. That's the main con. That's the main ingredient in Cizerp. You're a goddamn man. Eat some beef liver. Go box. 
Let's go to bed. Licorice. I think we have to quarantine all licorice and I, take it off the shelves. Like I couldn't even tell you the last time I ate licorice. But I can tell you the last time I had beef liver, beef liver chips today. Beef liver, nice. Oh, my, my disgusting beef liver chips. They're <sighs> freaking awesome. I don't know, man. At first, I thought they were disgusting and I hated them. And then you know what? I started, I kept, I bought a month goddamn supply and I kept <laughs> I eating them. Keep eating them. I got a box coming tomorrow. You know what? I can't <laughs> fucking stop now because it tastes, it, they smell like fish food, but for some reason I eat them and I just feel more manly. I feel like my testosterone levels go up. I get pissed off about Subway and licorice and shit. This is all because of licorice or because of the liver chips. Liver chip. You got to watch the liver chips. I now. don't see anybody dying from eating liver chips. How do you know they don't have glycerizic acid? Glycerizic. Maybe they have the anti-glycerizic acid. Got the Izzy, the Busy, and the Glycerizzi. You have no idea how much vitamin B12 I'm getting. 1,800% of vitamin B12. Damn. Yeah. B12. Vitamin A, B12. Protein, bro. Copper. Copper. You got your copper. I'm getting copper. I don't know. No sugar. See? That's the thing. It's the goddamn sugar. Fucking Subway, fucking Hershey, everyone. Just fucking sugar. Subway. Pump it full of sugar. These fat Americans will eat it. See, but Hershey's I like. Because you know what they make? Fucking candy. You know, it's made out of fucking sugar. It's, that's candy. Subway, they're trying to say it's it's good for you and it's fucking candy on a on you know a candy roll is basically what it is i wonder if jared can sue them now i actually wonder like how much if you do the same comparison to normal bread on like different breads like what is that conversion like wonder bread well like take wonder bread and then take like zico bread or something like that and see how, like Dave's how killer bread dave's killer bread i like dave's <laughs> Fucking Dave, man. Where did he come from? Fucking Dave came out of nowhere. Fucking I remember killer the- bread. <laughs> huh? some killer fucking bread, bro. Killer bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rudy's another one. Dave and Rudy. They came out of fucking nowhere. Not damn Dave and Rudy. Dave, Rudy, Ezekiel, all people's names. If it has a person's name and it's bread, it's good. Fucking Dave's killer bread. <laughs> Dave's killer bread. Dave's killer bread, bro. I don't know. That's pretty much the moral of the story. You just don't know. Yeah, but I, I see. I have no problem with Hershey's. They make candy. All right, good. Subway, have a problem with them. Yeah. You know? I got a problem with Subway. The second to last time I went to Subway, I ordered <laughs> a big... Again, I, I, I just got... Every time I go there, I have a fucking problem. I ordered the big sandwich. Whatever the big size is, like the full size one. <laughs> I ordered a turkey goddamn sandwich. This fuck was making me a sandwich. He put five pieces, those little like whatever the sh- whatever shape it is, it's sort of like an oval rhombus thing. Yeah. Of turkey. Like they barely even overlapped. It was like five little pieces of turkey. I when I was a kid, I worked at a deli and we would like use the slicer with like a whole turkey breast and we would just do big fat piles of meat and this fuck five little pieces 
of pre-shaped turkey fetus abortion that they put on my sandwich. I, I, I was like, I'm never going back again. I'm never going to Subway again, except for that one goddamn night when I mean, there was nothing else open. And that was it. Yeah, I just uh, up there too, like where you are, I never go to a, yeah, I'm never going to Pizza Hut. You go to Pizzeria. I'm never going to a, a Subway because I'm going to deli. Go to a goddamn deli. Get some boar's head. That's right. Get a little boar's head. You know the good thing about down here? All boar's head. All boar's head. They don't even have thumans. It's it's all boar's head. Isn't that funny how certain certain meats are regional? Like when I think Deets and Watson, I think Philly. Like yeah, that's where it's from. Well, boar's head is uh, I think their headquarters is out of Sarasota, so it's right oh, here. No kidding. Yeah, but uh, it's boar's like head. boar's head. It's good stuff, you know. Get a nice sandwich. You ever eat blimpy? If you eat a blimpy and then you have a subway, you're like, oh my god, fucking subway is great. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to it. I've been inside of Blimpy, but never actually eaten at it. It was like, I had like a blubber sandwich there one time. It was not good. <laughs> I went once and I'm like, nope, never again. You know what else sucks? Jersey Mike subs. I had a Jersey Mike. Well, if you get like a normal turkey, it's all right. Dude, they have like, their cheese options are like American and that's it. Yeah. yeah that's... American cheese fucking sucks too. <laughs> if you're not I'll... giving me cheddar... If you're not offering me cheddar, even the goddamn hospital last week had cheddar. <laughs> and the hospital, it was like being on like a shitty cruise, like a shitty all-inclusive. I'm like a view for you from the hospital too. The view is very nice. Yeah. But it was like, like you're on a cruise. You get in their order, you put your breakfast order in, your lunch order in. It's all like shitty food, and they get most of the order wrong. But you know what? You. All-inclusive. <laughs> nice. You want a cookie? I'll have two cookies. I'm like, hey, no problem. <laughs> and two horrible cookies. I had two. Te- I had like two terrible milkshakes a day, like those for real. They call them like it's like F apostrophe real, mm. which means not real at all. Not real. Yep. Like two of those a day. Damn. Oh, it was disgusting. I ate like a goddamn. Uh, I don't even know what. You goddamn know what? Sub. You ever eat firehouse subs? Firehouse subs. Yeah. They have them around up there. They start opening. Oh, I don't think so. I had I said that did Quiznos go away? I don't even know. I think, I think they, they might. I loved Quiznos. Did you? I did. I had a bad sandwich at Quiznos too. Oh, so boy. I used to love. And then their advertising was kind of creepy. They had the uh, <laughs> the dead rats and stuff talking, singing. They have some. Uh, what was the other wacky one they had? Was it the dead rats or there was something else too? Dude, I freaking used to like... And they had a pepper bar. They were like, we got a pepper bar. And it's like the rat mouth, like talking. All right, so Quiznos, I think still exists. Yeah, it's still around. Got the new Cubano, half a pound of meat. See, half a pound of goddamn meat, Subway. Not your little five little pieces of fucking garbage you're giving me. Firehouse subs is good. It was like they, uh, five doilies worth of meat. Like it was nice. ridiculous. Like, give me a pound of and put it on a a sub. That's it. Pound of meat. Goddamn Quiznos. That's what's up. Yeah, Quiznos. Quiznos is solid. You know what? We all have our look at that. <laughs> we all closest, we all have things we like. The closest one to me is in a goddamn rest area, so you know it's going to be good. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good one, dude. There, seriously, all the ones in this area 
are all in the grill. No time you're going to go to a pickle park to get some fucking sub, uh, Quiznos, <laughs> which is just a hot subway in skies. Dude, as disgusting as it sounds, like Arby's has some, like their commercials, like I see them and I go, you know what? If I had only two with between choices between Subway and Arby's, I'd be all over Arby's. I've eaten Arby's not too long ago. You get a craving for that fake ass roast beef. Why not? They have the meats, man. They have the meats. You have gone there on a craving. Oof. It's actually one pretty close to me. Looks like nice. Yeah, they're making a comeback now. I think they're renovating and it's because they have the meats. They have the meats. Well, they know people want sandwiches. They got prime rib cheesesteak. Mmm. Like who the hell doesn't want that? It sounds delicious. Yeah, I'm on a I'm on a juice cleanse, so everything's <laughs> Don't ask me to make some some decisions. I'm saying yes to everything right now. You're like Subway, ugh, Quiznos, ugh. You're like Arby's. Oh no, I hate this juice cleanse. <laughs> I'm gonna eat from when I wake up to when I go to sleep tomorrow. Smokehouse brisket sandwich at Arby's looks super goddamn legit. Like I want this sandwich. So you got to go in there because you know, and I know I'll probably if I if I was near Quiznos or something and I was hungry. I may give him another chance, but uh, you know how it is. You have one bad experience. You don't go back for a long, long time. Dude, apparently Arby's is smoking their brisket for 13 hours. <laughs> now, 13 hours. if by smoking their brisket, you mean there's an exhaust leak in the delivery truck <laughs> for 15 hours during the drive. That's perhaps I could understand their, that they can claim 13 hours in a pit smoker. Well, commercials have them with a pit pit guy, right? That sandwich looks good. I got to tell you, dude, I used to be such a fat bastard. I used to go and get the big Montana sandwich, which was like their biggest roast beef they had. And my, and my side would be chicken fingers. Oh, uh, side. <laughs> you can have fries with that? No chicken fingers, please. Side of chicken fingers. That's the kind of fat bastard I was. Nice. Throw some extra fries on there. It's still in me. I can still be that fat bastard. Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with it once in a while. Right? You just can't do it every day. It's true. It's like every, you can't even do it every week. It's like the hot dog eating contest. They eat 50-something hot dogs once a year. That's once it. a year. Joey Chestnut. Do you the fill? <laughs> Somebody keep eating until your heart explodes. Like, I don't, I don't understand. What are they pushing for? Like, 100? Are they going for the 100 mark now? What, what, do you, what do you really get? Like, what do you really win? Like a free T-shirt? <laughs> Diabetes. <laughs> a whole lot of stuff you don't want. Yeah. It's a hot dog record now. Is it Kobayashi still? Let's see. Joey Chestnut at 74. Joey Chestnut. 16 pounds worth of hot dog. God damn. See, things, I think they're pushing for 100. Of all the things the coronavirus <laughs> can, had canceled or removed this year, I think the hot dog eating contest still went on. Oh, I think it got canceled, didn't it? No, didn't it go on? I don't think so. I they had it. Yeah. 
It was twenty. It was twenty thirteen. The record. <laughs> Sonia, the Black Widow, Thomas doesn't practice. Oh, no. They had it on July fourth. Oh, he set. He just ate, ate a shitload of hot dogs at home. <laughs> <laughs> Eating at home. Everybody just eat a bunch of hot dogs. Kobayashi. Yeah, they had it this year. They did. Yep. Um. Yeah, Joey Chestnut ate 75 hot dogs. 75 hot dogs. Damn. That's just terrible. They have a documentary on here on the Nathan site. It's like, it's actual episodes. It's like a six episode series about eating hot dogs. Chasing the mustard belt is what it's called. You learn about the eaters, the Meiji storylines, and the drama behind. <laughs> now, did the guys that did the Warren Miller thing do this too? Yeah, um, right. Like, Chasing you, the mustard belt. It's a video series. You got to see this. Like, are you puking after that? Or like, are you, like, what's going on with your body? See, this is where like, Somebody wants to bet you something. You say, you need to watch all six episodes of The Mustard Belt. They won't know. And then, okay, now you have to tell me what they're all about. You have to spend six hours of your life now watching Chasing the Mustard Belt. Chasing the Mustard Belt. I mean, it is a nice looking belt, I got to tell you. I'm going to bookmark this. We'll see. If, we'll see if it gives a watch. <laughs> I might try one or two episodes, see what they're all about. Damn, 75 hot dogs. There's lots of chew on right there, people. So hopefully you enjoyed our rambling and our nonsense. But more importantly, our interview with Doug from the Indy Pass. It was great chatting with him. And somehow this podcast got stretched out another hour, which is pretty amazing. The way we were able to ramble on as we do. Still rambling on. Frankly, everyone, I'm exhausted. But thank you so much for listening. (laughs) we really do appreciate it check us out skibumpodcast.com socials twitter instagram facebook untapped at skibumpodcast you know where to subscribe if you want to send us an email skibumpodcast at gmail.com hit us up for stickers there or instagram thank you so much for listening please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcasting apps and we will talk to y'all next week stay high stay fluent see ya